This is Robert Hoffman. And this is Chris Panico. And I want to welcome you back to No Nonsense Storytime, the podcast where we look at children's books and get rid of that nonsense from it. We do. I would prefer to not welcome you back, though. That's just Bobby. Yeah. N- no, yeah. <laughs> That's just me. I want to welcome you back. He doesn't. Please go away. It's sort of like a good cop, bad cop kind of thing <laughs> we're trying for the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I hope it works, and he doesn't. I don't. Haha. <laughs> 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 Okay, uh, the book that we're doing this week is If You Give a Mouse a Cookie by Laura Numeroff. Mm, yes. The, the first, the original, in a very long series of books. If by you Laura give Numeroff. a blank a blank. If you give a blank a blank. And and more. And more. There's there's like mm. if if you take a mouse to the movies and then yep. there's like Moose and Muffins my Best favorite. Mouse Cookies or something. There's like Best Mouse Cookies. There's like a whole like, if you give a mouse a best mouse cookie? So there's like 20-some spinoffs or something of this one book that she wrote. Also, also she wrote a book called If You Give a Man a Cookie. I want to read that book. And here, the, the first line of the book is, If you give a man a cookie, he's going to want milk to go with it. God forbid he should get it himself. <laughs> and it's just about like... A woman's point of view of a man <laughs> wanting stuff. That's awesome. I want to read it. That's what the story is. I want to read that book. <laughs> I like that she parodied her own book. Yeah. She has a have the. She has a biography, I think. It's called If You Give an Author a Pencil. That's good. Something like that. That's great. Pretty solid. And the, it, the biography is just in the exact same, same format. format. <laughs> for the same reading level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you give an author a pencil, she's going to milk this format for the rest of, of her life. life. <laughs> then she'll ask for a cookie to go with it. I mean, no no disrespect to Lauren Rough. The book's actually very good. It's really good. She wrote, and I didn't know this until um, just looking up her stuff a little bit, she wrote Dogs Don't Wear Sneakers, which was my favorite book as a kid for a, a while. That doesn't jive with Pete the Cat at all. No, <laughs> you're right. Well, no, I mean, we should it's read those books together. Cats don't wear sneakers. Okay, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Dogs don't wear sneakers is great. It's the best no nonsense book because it's just saying these things don't do this, and it's and they're all true. <laughs> I've never read it, but I want to now. All right. Well, maybe we we'll look at it. See if there's some nonsense. In yeah. Did you that. know that she decided she wanted to be a writer when she was nine? I did not. Nine years old. It's pretty cool. When she went to college, she didn't try to do it. Nine's a good age to, because like, I feel like when you're five or something, maybe you want to be an author Mm -hmm. and then you hit nine and and then you start to, you, you think a little bit more about stuff. And by that time, as a kid, you're sort of done with writing. Not, you know what I mean? I feel like not a lot of nine-year-olds want to be an author. You know, by the time you get to nine, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think that by the time you get to nine, writing is part of school, and it is work, exactly. and it's no fun. Exactly. That's what I mean. I remember yeah. when I was nine, I had lost all passion. Yeah. <laughs> period. Right. The, the, Especially the, for writing. The way that, like, early elementary school does it, it... It takes a lot of the fun out of those really fundamental re- uh, fundamental learning yeah. things, skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nine, she decided she wanted to do it. She went to college for fashion, though. Decided that wasn't for her and mm-hmm. 
then tried writing. Turned out pretty well. Good. So she did falter. She did. She faltered. She's she straight. did. It was interesting when I read that she went from writing to fashion. Because I feel like fashion is probably a more difficult industry to get into yeah. in some ways. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, there are lots of jobs in writing, relatively speaking. Like, compared to most other creative fields. Right. When you consider journalism, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, there's, there's different ways you could go with it, for sure. Yeah. So I was just, uh, I I mean, another thing that makes that interesting is that she's not only an author, she's also an illustrator for her books. Yeah, she did, I think her first nine books she illustrated on her own. Yeah, so that's cool to think that, you know, it's like, all right, she she went for fashion, and then she's like, no, I'm going to, and she has like all these skills to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, And then they, her publisher... Which I think was Macmillan or something. That sounds right. Yeah. They paired her up with, um, I forget the woman who did do it, or the illustrator that did it, but whoever illustrated the If You Give a series. And ever since then, she has not done any of her own illustrations. That's a Felicia Bond. Felicia Bond. Felicia. Ooh, that's a good name. Yeah. You know, like Covalent Bond, a Felicia Bond. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like Kinda that. Kind of like that. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shall I guess we... let's, yeah, let's get into the nonsense. Shall we? Well, I'm going to do a quick little recap first. Yeah, okay. I guess. I guess we'll do the thing we always do in every episode. Yeah. So, <clears throat> really all you need to know about If You Give a Mouse a Cookie is that it's basically a manifesto on determinism for children. <laughs> Okay. That's pretty much what it is. She starts by saying, if you give a mouse a cookie, this will happen. Uh-huh. And then when that happens, this will happen, then this will happen, and it continues through the whole book. Right. Until eventually it gets back to full circle. He has a cookie, and now he wants right. milk to go with it. Or he gets a glass of milk, wants a cookie to go with it. Mm-hmm. And it just starts all over again. Um, yeah. I've, uh, and I'm not going to break down every single thing that goes through the book but that's when, the gist when i was a kid i did i had a problem with these books i th- i thought they were clever and fun and funny mm-hmm. but i also had a problem with these books because they were so well maybe the mouse will do that or maybe the maybe the mouse is gonna do a different thing yeah you know right maybe he's gonna want some milk or maybe this mouse like so many things yeah could happen instead and as an adult obviously you know you're, you're like okay that that's the point is that it's this right you know when i was a kid but it did bother me as a kid when i was a kid i didn't even see it as uh as an example of the author telling me what would happen if i did this i just kind of saw it as a story yeah you know? yeah yeah right i didn't see i didn't like perceive it as if it was being told second right. person right or um in future tense yeah I just kind of... It's like, this is what the mouse did in this story, yeah. Yeah, which I guess is a huge just piece of negligence on my part as a as an <laughs> audience member. <laughs> no, but it's it's supposed to read that way. And that's sort of the, the, the gimmick of it that makes it fun. Yeah. Is that it's not a story. It's 
but it t- it tells a story through well this is what's gonna happen and then this is what's gonna happen and then by the end you have this whole story but yeah. it's not let me tell you the story that happened it's yeah it's, it's just this sort of matter of fact laying out of facts that yeah and they're not really facts the, the, one, the real strength of the book is the format that she came up with yeah to tell the story mm-hmm. you know that's like a huge for sticking to it it's like a huge thing <clears throat> for children's books because the stories in general they're pretty simple they're not like complicated or anything mm-hmm. so if you can come up with a way to tell the story that is really creative and different right bada bing bada boom right that's a that's a good point because with kids books you can't make it interesting with floral language or anything mm-hmm. like that because kids don't know those words yeah so you have to really be creative in the way that you are creative that's yeah. meta creativity yeah exactly one of the right kids books um do you have a an idea about the moral that oh yeah she was Sorry. trying to convey to i was us? about to skip right to the setting yes. of course i have an idea about the moral um it's that you should be careful what you do i I mean actions have consequences even though it's it's like a tongue-in-cheek way of saying it but i do think that is what you're supposed to gather from this book you know i think so it's a funny story and everything but it is cause and effect which is something that kids at that age are just getting getting you know Uh just getting down i think that's why it's so fun for kids is because oh this thing makes this thing happen and Mm -hmm. it's cool to chain together events right and that's kind of just how kids explore things yeah like why they're curious about things i'm also considering that it's sort of a reverse engineered version of like the endless why that children (laughs) love to get into yeah you know and it gives them it gives the yeah it satisfies that craving they have right and you know as an adult that you don't want to engage with that but sometimes you do sometimes you do because it's fun it's fun but then it becomes very stressful yeah and frustrating Uh and i've i've actually been thinking a lot about that lately i think the reason it frustrates me when kids ask why and i answer them is not because they're just gonna keep asking why it's that they're not listening to your answer I never it get, thought about it that. It gets to the point where you're taking their time to give them an answer to their question, and they're already on to the next why. They don't care what the answer is. They just want to ask why. I don't think that's always true. Mm-hmm. If a kid asks me why, and they want to know why, I'm excited to tell them. Right. Which is, I think, why it makes it so annoying when a kid asks why, and you answer them, and they're not even listening to your answer, because they're just playing a game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think and that's I- it. I remember when I first started teaching, I always thought kids' whys were gen. I thought everything that kids said were were genuine. Yeah. It, 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 it is in a way. In a way. But, like... So, like, you're saying why, 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 just as it's a game, or other kids... The, the two things that always get me is... Needing to use the bathroom... Like, because you have one kid who's like, I need to go to the potty. And then six kids are like, I need to go to the potty. I'm like, there's no way all of you need to go to the potty. <laughs> but now I'm in this really difficult situation of like, do I just let my whole class go to the bathroom now? Or do, does a kid accidentally have an axe? Oh. And then yeah. the I feel sick, too, is another one. I feel one. sick, too. That one. I got that, that one one's today. Made up. 
that one's made up. That one's not real. Yeah. Get out of here with I feel sick, too. I, I had one kid come over after the park because she had an ear infection and she was wanting me to take her temperature. And two other kids were like, my belly hurts. I don't feel good. I'm like, go to the library. You're fine. <laughs> 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 I may have said that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, anyway. We setting. digress. Setting of the book. Do you have a setting? You know, I don't. Me neither. Okay. I think this one doesn't have a setting. <laughs> Somewhere with milk and mice. Well, it's it's in the second person, so it's kind of wherever you are. Oh. It's a setting that's everywhere. Everywhere. That was so good. You're so right. In the future. You're so right. It's any time that is not that has not happened yet. That's why it doesn't have okay. a setting. Because it's your setting. Exactly. In your heart. Mm-hmm. Your soul. Nailed it. Nailed it. <clears throat> okay. Setting. Good. Let's talk about the nonsense of let's, the book. Let's talk about it. Um, so, yeah. We got a few a few things. I want to just name a few things right off the bat. Great. One is something that you actually brought up. I didn't think of until right now. Is, is that... The, this book is so deterministic. Yeah. That is nonsense. Um, if you give a mouse a cookie, maybe the mouse will want milk. Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean, we're the only animal, like humans are the only species on the planet that drink milk from other animals. Mm-hmm. So. Except for it, cats. Well, I guess if we. <laughs> okay. That oh. like actively seek it out, I suppose. Like Ooh. that's. A I know sh- what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. A mouse would not seek out cow's milk. Probably not. Yeah, but. But in this continue. in this book, the mouse does and will. It's so deterministic, and we have to figure out the reason behind that, um, because every statement is untrue. If you give a mouse a cookie, I don't remember right. exactly what the phrasing is. He's going to want some milk. He's going to draw a picture at one yeah, point. Yeah, we don't know that. We There's no way to, to know. Yeah, exactly. He's going to sign. He's going to want to sign his name on it. D- he draws the picture or does he just look at the picture? No, he draws a picture. Okay. And then he wants to sign his name. This is towards the end. Yeah. So what? how I read it, I must have I must have read it wrong. I was, it was real quick. How I read it was he. you're reading the book and then he looks at the picture of the book. And the book, the pictures in the book makes him so excited that he wants to sign his name on the pictures. But that doesn't make sense. He draws a picture. I'm he pretty, wants to draw his own picture. And then signs I'm it. pretty sure. That's how I remember it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I remember there's a drawing of him with, like, mouse yeah, mom, exactly. mouse dad. Okay, that makes more sense. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt the flow of nonsense. Oh, that's with okay. my own nonsense. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, that doesn't make any sense. Two... Why is this mouse want all these non-mouse things? Yeah. And between uh, with those two things, we figure out those two things. That's that's the majority of it. Yeah, yeah. I think that I have a bone to pick with the narrator as well. Yeah. Just because, as you said, they're so certain of what the mouse is going to do next. You know, there's absolutely no question about what it will do. Mm -hmm. When, of course, there are all of these possible realities based on just one of those things being different, you know? Some people, when they want a cookie, might want orange juice with it. Right. 
Golden Oreos with orange juice is really, really good. I I need... Let's not do that. <laughs> it's like Let's a, not alienate it's like the a, entire world on our podcast. It's, you like, a cre- it's, like, <laughs> it's like a creamsicle. It's really good. Uh, okay. Should try it. Okay. <laughs> I so like, guess. If you give a mouse a golden Oreo, he might ask for some orange juice to you go You know what? That does sound good. Now, now that you... See? Uh, for some reason... Just think about it some more. Yeah, it does sound good. When I think of orange juice being with things... It does sound It gross. makes me think of orange juice with toothpaste, and I think that it just, oh, it just yeah. puts me off. Oh, yeah. But that's not, that's not what we're talking that's about. That's not what we're talking we're about. We're talking about orange juice with a dessert, and orange is a sweet mm-hmm. fruit, yep. and you're putting it with another sweet thing. You're yeah. just making a new dessert. That's good. Yeah. It, what am I talking it's about? It's pretty tasty. Sorry for calling you a disgusting freak. It's okay, man. It, I mean, I'm not you, saying that's wrong. Yeah, I'm not I'm saying just... it's wrong. I'm just saying <laughs> it was unfounded for the reason that I invoked it. <laughs> okay, thank you. It. Um, but yeah, so I've got... I'd be curious to get a little more thought about the narrator, but yes, I think, I think that I think in there is where we're going to find why this is happening. Yeah. Something's up with the narrator. It's like you said, second person. The narrator's telling us, mm-hmm. "If you do this, this is what's going to happen." Yeah, is it supposed to be a cautionary tale? Yeah, it feels like it. You know, and it's... I think that's out of character for a second. I think mm-hmm. that is what the author's trying to do mm-hmm. is like be like oh be careful you know sort of tongue-in-cheek but back in character yes this is a cautionary somebody's trying to get us not to do this yeah not to give a mouse a cookie so we need to figure out the real motive here because they're making up all these fake reasons and people do this all the time they yeah. they have their own interests they say oh yeah you shouldn't do that it's you're gonna be sorry it's not you know yeah. It's not profitable. And, like, so there there are real life versions of this. <clears throat> I think most famously things like don't feed stray cats because they'll just keep coming. Mm-hmm. Or don't feed these birds because they'll just keep coming here and they won't be able to continue to fend for themselves. Right. Um, but with a mouse, no one's ever like, don't feed this mouse things because... Right. People don't feed mice things, uh-huh. you know? So I, I imagine that there's some kind of connection there, but it seems that the author has this very strong relationship with mice. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what happens in this story. Yeah. Because, so assuming this is a cautionary tale, the author is giving examples of why you don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So we, we are to assume... That all of the events of this story are things that you wouldn't want to happen. Correct. So let's look at them and figure out who would think these things are bad. Oh, good idea. To determine idea. who the intended audience is to determine who the narrator is. Yes? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, so start with the we start with the, the milk. Okay. Don't give a mouse cookie. He's going to want milk. Right. If we want milk, he wants milk, he's going to want a straw. Uh-huh. And... Then he'll want a napkin. Oh, I'm pretty sure I know what it is already. He'll want to look into a mirror. Uh-huh. He'll, he'll see his hair is long. He wants to get that trimmed. So he'll want some scissors. Then he'll want a broom. He'll want to sweep everything in the house. Wash the floors. Mm-hmm. And then he gets so tired he wants to take a nap. Let's, let's stop there. Why is that bad? Why is it bad for this mouse to clean your entire house? 
Who's going to be turned off by that idea? I'll tell you who. Okay. Millennial vegans. And I say that as a millennial vegan. Continue. All right. If you give a mouse a cookie, number one. Okay. Most cookies you find are not vegan. That's fine. Milk is also not vegan. Right. Number three, the straw. Yes. Oh, I see. Straws are made out of plastic. Right. Most, and I can't speak for every vegan. plastic comes from frogs. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's accurate. I'm just trying to piggyback off of what you're saying. Yeah, man. Also, a lot of vegans are not into the use of plastics like that. Yeah. Right? They're, especially in the last year or so, there's been that whole thing about plastic straws and yes, whatever. Yes, turtles. Yeah. Um, so the plastic straws. And then what happens after that? Then the napkin. The napkin. So you just use like a hand towel instead. Right, yeah. You don't want your disposable waste. napkin, right? And then he wants to look in the mirror and cut his hair. Um, I would say. I mean, you don't want someone cutting your hair in their house. That's that's a turn off to everybody. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah. But and then cutting we, your own hair is like a dangerous pursuit. Then we got to figure out who doesn't want their entire house cleaned. Oh, so those are animal tested cleaning products, which the vegans don't want. You're so right. And the washing the floor. Great. Then he wants to take a nap. And you're going to read a story to him. He's going to look at the pictures. He wants to draw his own pictures. Vegans don't want to domesticate wild animals like mice. Oh. Yeah. I'm trying to make this whole thing connect. Yes. And here's where it comes out. After he draws a picture, he wants to sign his name with the pen. And you're not supposed to name animals. Because <laughs> then, cause then you're... Uh... We should be coming more like the animals. They shouldn't be coming more like us. They shouldn't be becoming more like us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is... That's what this is. He doesn't hang the picture up. And he'll look at the fridge, want some milk. Thus, continuing the cycle of this animal living with you. Mm-hmm. Which is wrong, because this book is targeted at PETA. No, it's written by PETA. It's written by PETA. Yeah, this is this is sort of a a PETA narrated book saying, "Listen, mice are really cute, and you might want to give it a cookie, but don't because all of this bad stuff's gonna happen. You're gonna have a pet, which is wrong." Do we need to worry about connecting this author to PETA? Um, I think it's pretty clear we're not being serious. All right, good. God. Yeah, yeah. I think I. Uh, I mean, do you do you disagree? <laughs> I just think it's important to have a recording of us saying. Sure, that's sure. Not yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take a break. Take a break. Disclaimer. Laura Numeroff, we have no reason to believe it's associated with PETA, nor do we think this is a serious reading of the book. If you give a mouse a cookie, continue. Um, so it's definitely PETA. Absolutely, a hundred percent PETA. <laughs> is and it's sort of like one of those like pamphlets that you would get mm-hmm. saying yeah. yeah don't give don't don't give a mouse a cookie yeah Here's why so it's not it's not that the author is against mice they're not like worried about pests right it's, it's more like they're against people it's not pests it's pets well owned by people yes against yeah. people <laughs> um I like that. I like that. So that explains 
why none of it makes so much sense because it's just literal propaganda. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to make sense. Right. It just has to look <clears throat> like it makes sense on the surface. Right. Um, as opposed to if it was more of a personal anecdotal story, there'd be all of this concern about how did this even happen to you? Right. And it's, and yeah, it's all sort of hypothetical. So you don't have to prove any of it. Yeah. And that's why there are so many versions of this book. Because there are all kinds of marginalized animals and products throughout the yeah. whole planet. So I bet you if we opened up some of the other books, we would see the same sort of connections. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Any other I think that's going to get out of here? I know it was short, but I feel like that's kind of just it. Yeah, we can, and that's kind of an answer that that was like a TKO, man. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, well done, bravo. Um, we're gonna come up with another moral then. Yeah. Now that we know the truth. Right, right. Uh, do you got something? Well, I think it depends if we're looking at it from the perspective of. Pro PETA or anti PETA? Well, let's look at it. I mean, how is this so objectively? the The whole point of the story is that it it's a cycle, right? Uh huh. No matter how you look at it, you get to the end. He's gonna look at the fridge and then want some more uh, milk. Yep. And it's just supposed to go around and around and around. I mean, right, it's much like consumerism. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, it's sort of just this cycle of the circle of consumerism. Yeah. And it moves us all. Yeah, as soon as we are born on this planet. Yep. Consumerism. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so that aside, <laughs> um, what's, what's the take? Like, what, this mouse, is the mouse unhappy? Doesn't seem like it. He doesn't. The mouse, the mouse seems like... It's it's almost sort of it's a it's a happy ending for the mouse. Well, is it an ending? It's a cycle. It's a, it's a happy cycle for the mouse. We do, do we get? I mean, I just well, it I depends. Can't, it's, yeah, go ahead. There's you could have the whole argument about like the mouse doesn't know what's good for it kind of thing. It's a mouse, uh -huh. you know. Right. Like the cat that you're the stray cat you're feeding is happy. It's getting food, despite the fact that it's gonna become reliant on you now. And then yeah. not be able to take care of itself. Okay. So, that, like, it, sure, it's just us doing a disservice to the animal. But if the cat comes back and you continue to feed it, mm -hmm. then what's the problem? Well, making it reliant on you takes its life out of its own hands and puts it in yours. That's true. Because perhaps you move away or perhaps something terrible happens and you're no longer around to feed it. Yeah. Or perhaps you go away on a vacation for a couple weeks. Now this cat's not going to eat for a couple weeks. That's Hopefully true. Hopefully you're responsible enough to consider that, but maybe you're not. A lot of people are wildly irresponsible when it comes that, to animals. That's true in that case, but this story is a little different. Okay, yeah, that's true. It's not the same. It's not one-to-one. -one. So I would say the moral of this story is... Be prepared to deal the consequences of your actions, which is what the original moral was. But an animal 
the the problem with having pets is if you have a pet you have to become you have to be responsible oh yeah you know you know you do and it's, it's like the contract of owning a pet yeah the yeah it's it's sort of like a day in the life of a pet owner the things you don't think about yeah yeah and a lot of people become pet owners without being ready to take up that responsibility yeah it's true. that's why you see pets go in and out of adoption centers so often yeah very sad it is it is Thanks again for listening to No Nonsense Storytime. My name is Chris Panico. And my name is Robert Hoffman. Join us next week as we look into another fairy tale called Jack and the Beanstalk. It's been passed down in English tradition for a very long time, most famously told by Joseph Jacobs. In 1890. In 1890, boys. It's a long time ago. Yeah. I think the first publishing of it was like 100 years before that. So it's an old one. Yeah. Um, and we are going to destroy it. We're just going to tear it apart. I'm just going to wreck it. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in contact with us, email us at nonsensestorytime at gmail.com. If you want to leave a review on any of our podcast you know, places, please do. Yeah. Give us a rating, review. Check us out on Facebook, No Nonsense Storytime. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, we'll see you next week. Bye.